Last week, kicked off a brand new series called From the Start. This is a look at the beginning of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. Genesis begins with these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And last week, we looked at the first, like, 25 verses and saw how effortlessly, uh, powerfully, creatively, God made everything around us. There was no battle between gods. There was no major, minor gods. But God alone made everything in six days. He created walruses to wallabies to wildflowers and the whole world and other things that don't start with w if you ever miss a sermon or uh, a service you can go watch online facebook youtube or we we podcast it now too this book genesis is is so foundational for our life as as christians it it teaches us just God exists, uh, the, the goodness of the world that he made, and teaches us right away about the reason why Jesus Christ came, what his death, resurrection accomplished. And so we, we stopped short last week. On day six, God creates animals on day six, but he continues with the most important, extraordinary, amazing creation of all. Us. I mean, you and me. I mean, this is, this is something that God saves to the very last thing. And so this, this is our, our topic today. It's all about you. <laughs> we are awesome. I mean, if the internet has taught us anything, it is that human beings are amazing, can do amazing things. I, I asked Josh to just kind of show a video in the background here where I'm talking of people doing amazing things. I'm not asking you guys to try any of these things, um, but just it's amazing that we can even do any of these things and not just die right away from doing them. I mean, we could just watch this all morning. This could be our entire sermon this morning. Just people doing amazing things. Speaking of people doing amazing things, I don't know if you heard or know, but Josh, who is singing this morning, is now internet famous. Yeah. Josh has been writing music, and he released a song this last week. It's called Look What He's Done. You can find it on YouTube and Spotify. So go check it out. The internet has also taught us that humans can do amazingly stupid things. I don't know if anybody has tried the latest trend of TikTok NyQuil cooking chicken. Nope. I wouldn't suggest it. Not that I've tried it, but... Um, Okay, we better just cut this video. Good, okay. It's going to be a distraction if I keep talking. Or, if you, have you ever done this? 
You just type in your birthday and Florida man. There are all kinds of articles on there on people in Florida doing not-so-bright things, like man wearing a t-shirt that says, who needs drugs? No, seriously, I have drugs. And then getting arrested for possession of drugs. Or Florida man charged with assault with a deadly weapon after throwing an alligator through a Wendy's drive-thru. Florida cop claims Burger King put dirt on his food. Investigation reveals it was just seasoning. <laughs> uh, or, this is not Florida anymore, but in an article I found, a mom wouldn't let child practice recorder after dark because it might call all the snakes to their house. Honestly, this could be just really smart parenting. My fifth grader just started playing the tuba. So maybe, like, it's just like, I don't want to hear it after dark, you know? Uh, a friend who hated getting coins, so when they got changed, they would just throw it away in the trash. What, what is our deal? <laughs> what's, what's wrong with us? This, this philosopher, Blaise Pascal, in the 1600s, put it this way, instead of just saying, what's our deal? He said, what sort of freak then is man? How novel and how monstrous, how chaotic, how paradoxical. Judge of all things, feeble earthworm, repository of truth and of doubt and error and glory and refuse. We had this potential for such great good, right? Love, peace, what our technology, what medicine can do thinking and reasoning and friendship and art and beauty and such potential for indescribable evil. I mean, murder and rape and genocide, the atomic bomb, lying, deception, suicide, all of these things. So in order for us to figure out ourselves and each other, we need to look back at the start. How did God create us? It says that we were made very good. And then how did it all go wrong? I'm going to invite up uh, Ronan Jackson. Um, he's going to come on up, and uh, he's going to read our scripture passage this morning. So we're going to be in Genesis 1. Uh, it's verses 26 through 31. And uh, this is going to be our thing during this. We're going to have different people uh, reading our text. And so if you want to follow along uh, with the Bible, um, you can do that or on your phone here. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have domain over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock of, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have domain over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, 
Behold, I have given you every planet, plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with the seeds and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thank you. So our theme this morning is we were made very good. And as I was preparing this and looking through these verses, I, I did something I don't usually do. I got stuck last night as I'm, I'm prepping and, and thinking through this in the first two verses. And so instead of preaching for an hour this morning, we're going to do part one and part two. <laughs> um, so we'll come back. We're going to look at the first two, two and a half verses this morning. But we're going to start with this. We were made in God's image. I want you to turn to your neighbor, turn to someone next to you, look them in the eye, point at them and say, you were made in God's image. There seems to be a lot of questioning uh, out there today about identity. Am, am I valuable? What, what makes me important is how many likes or shares or followers I have on social media. Is it, is it my job title? How much money I have? My lifestyle? Uh, is it found in my identity, my, my gender? You know, our, our world today says you can identify as anything, and that has value, a different gender, a different sexuality, a different, an animal, all in the name of worth or valuable. Am I valuable? And the answer that the scripture says is yes, absolutely. You are valuable and have worth. You are not worthless. You were made in God's image. If we were to invite Scrooge McDuck here to fill up our sanctuary with his gold and jewels and go swimming in it, that would not be as valuable in God's eyes as one single person. You are more valuable than all the gold and the jewels and money in the world. Now let's take a step back here to the very beginning, verse 1. We, we said that for six days, God has been creating. And there's this pattern that's kind of found there. It, in verse 3, it begins, And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Um, there's kind of this pattern of God speaking, let there be, and that it was good. Day two, he creates kind of sky and water. Three land, vegetation, four sun, moon, stars, five birds, fish, six animals. 
And then all of a sudden, in the middle of day six, something different happens in the pattern of God said, then there was, it was good. It's almost as if all of creation has been, been waiting for something. The, the, the pinnacle of his creation here, the most important, most beautiful, special thing he makes. Something changes in verse 26, right? It says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish, or the sea, over the birds, the heavens. And then in verse 27, it, goes, it breaks into poetry. This is the first poetry we see in the Bible. Talking about this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Man and he created them. There, there's this deliberation going on, and not just a spoken and it happens. <clears throat> just as a side note here. Um, we live in a day of um, pronoun importance, right? They, them, all those kind of things. Um, notice the, the pronouns being used here about God. Uh, in verse 26, it says, let us make him in our image, in our likeness. And then in verse 27, it, it switches to a, a singular so God, singular, created man, or in the next part, image of God, he created, he created them. There's this plural and singular happening about God all at the same time. This is not God talking to other angels or other mini-gods. I think there's this, this, this glimmer, this hint of the Trinity here, that God is this singular multiplicity, that he is grand, majestic, our, but one. So we, the last created, are the apex. The only thing that God deliberates about, talks to himself about, plans about, the only one that God then um, gives commands to, he blesses us, and we'll get to those things kind of more next week, out of all the, the, the galaxies, the Diamonds, gold, you know, the ocean mountains, all of the majestic animals, out of all those things, he says, humans, I'm going to bless you and give jobs to and provide for you. When you look at other religions in this same time period and how they talk about the creation of humans and men and women and, and, and all that, it, it often talks about Humans is kind of like a, um, a throwaway or a mistake, uh, an afterthought. They were often seen as kind of slaves to the gods, servants to them. But this is not what we have here. It's as if a, a king of a kingdom decides to set up statues all around his kingdom of himself. Right? They, they would look like him, they would kind of represent him, look like him. It would be a reminder to the different cities and places around his kingdom of who he is, his rule. This is, in essence, what God is doing here with us when he said, let us make humanity in our image to represent us. 
what does that really mean that we are made in God's image? Well, in every way, <laughs> Wayne Grudem, an author, theologian, says, every way in which man is like God is part of his being in the image and likeness of, of, of him. It's not just kind of one thing. It's because we have hands, one hand, two hands. It's not because we have hair and God has hair. No, it's, it's, it's a multiple thing. It's you know, our, our intellectual ability above animals. It's our morality, moral purity, that we have a spiritual nature above anything else. Our dominion that we're given, the creativity that we have, the ability to make ethical choices, the immortality that we will go on and live forever. I like to kind of think about it as this kind of potential that we have, potential for all of these things, potential for for love and to have a will and emotions, a relationship with each other, relationship with God. And, and this has so much application for us today. If we believe that every single person today is made in God's image, then everyone has inherent value. He says, you know, in verse 27, to kind of go out of, out of his way almost to make a point that it's not just men, but male and female, he created them in his image. It's this kind of statement of, like, like verse 1, he created the heavens and the earth. It's everybody, everything, male and female. We could say, yes, male and female created in God's image from the old to the young made in God's image. From the unborn to the elderly made in God's image. All skin colors, cultures, races made in God's image. People who have mentally or physically uh, handicapped made in God's image. Someone you might hate. A person who cuts you off while you're driving made in God's image. Someone who steals from you or or someone that hates you, made in God's image. Different religion than you, they are made in God's image. Even, even terrible, evil, awful people in the world. I mean, Hitler, Pol Pot, Osama bin Laden, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I, Katie's right there in front of me with Aaron Rodgers. I just had to, okay. Even Aaron Rodgers is made in God's image. Now, in a few weeks here, when we go through Genesis, we'll, we'll talk about what's known as the fall, sin coming into this world. And what it does is it, it changes some things dramatically. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, I brought with me this morning an image of myself. Look at that guy. This is my image and likeness, right? Now, if I were to take this and I were to change some things on here, like maybe I'll give myself, you know, like a black tooth. I need a black marker for this. Let's do this. Maybe like a, a pirate eye patch. 
I feel like there's some big space for like some really big ears, you know, like some heart thing on my face. I already have kind of a like a beard, but I'll give it like a curly mustache, you know. So I'm going to mar, I'm going to change this image of myself a little bit. But, but even more as sin comes into our life and our world, it begins to kind of change things even more. It begins to kind of crumple and distort that image that we had of God. And so that's what we have today. We have a crumpled, mangled, marred, misshapen image of who our creator is and was. And what we see through the rest of the Bible, through the gospel, is that God is on a mission to restore us, give us hope from this, as, as Kent Hughes puts it, this grisly shadow of himself that we have now. Colossians 1.15 talks about Christ being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1 is that Jesus is the exact image of God's being. And then Romans 8 talks about for those whom he, he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son through Jesus. He is restoring that image of himself in us. He's taking this mangled up piece of paper, this image of myself, and restoring it back. And it will not be fully restored until we get to heaven. There will all be some of this, this we're just kind of already, but not yet, this sin in us right now. But this is the power of Christ in us. To put off the old self and put on Christ. Well, number two, we have two big points this morning. One is that really important, we are made in God's image. Number two is that we were made with two genders, male and female. You know, maybe 50 years ago or so, I, I may not have made a big deal about this or talked about this so much, but, but that phrase... Two genders, only two. Th those, are, those are fighting words today. Um, Adrian and I, my wife, we're, we're, we're going uh, to a pastors and wives retreat Monday, Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow, we're going, leaving tonight, going to Tuesday. So if you have any complaints about this next section, you can call Monday, Tuesday, and Josh can speak to you, Okay. But from the start, God creates us male and female. Verse, verse 27. I mentioned this last week. It happens in verse 1, happens again in verse 27, that this word create only comes from God. Only God creates in Genesis in the Bible. It's this Hebrew word bara, and you see it three times there, right, in verse 27. So God created. In the image of God, he created. Male and female, he barai created them. Again, he's going out of his way to talk about that it's everybody made in God's image, but it's important to notice that it's male and female. 
maybe you've seen advertisements or classes for uh, master class. They have all kinds of things out there you can take and learn about. One of them was on gender studies and identities. I, I found this on a website. It says, gender identity is a person's sense or personal understanding of their own gender, which may or may not correlate with their assigned gender at birth, gender expression, sexual orientation, sexual attraction, or the particular gender roles or traditional gender binary of their society. Many gender variants make up the gender spectrum, such as male and female, agender, bigender, transgender, femme, intersex, and gender fluid. Uh, they go on to define uh, a number more of these uh, genders. Androgyne, cisgender, gender nonconforming, gender queer, intergender, omnigender, non-binary, transsexual, two-spirit. Uh, one place I found documented 72 different genders. And, and not only that, but there is a big difference today between sex and gender. For a Medical News Today article, it said sex and gender are not the same. In general terms, Sex refers to a person's physical characteristics at birth. And gender encompasses a person's identities, expressions, and social roles. A person may identify with a gender that is different from their natal sex or with no gender at all. Uh, I'm sure that you have experienced this in your families, workplaces, the internet, Marvel, Disney movies, businesses, you know, it's, it's, it's a known, really propagated fact in our culture today that there are, two, there, there are more than two genders. And that we can choose our gender, our sexuality. And if you do not believe this or accept this or fight for this, you are often labeled as hateful, a bigot, homophobic, queerphobic, hypocrite, other things. And many businesses, governments, churches even have decided to kind of follow along and uh, become LGBTQ plus uh, accepting, affirming in their, their pastors and, and leadership and, and, and marriages. So the Bible here, it says two things. In verse 27, it says there are two genders. He created them male and female. And then in verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Talking to sex between male and female. Even as we look forward into the Bible to the New Testament, we can see that Jesus looks back on the creation account when he's arguing about Divorce with the Pharisees, this is Matthew 19. He, he says, uh, haven't you read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, affirming Genesis 1, that it is true. That that's what we believe. Now, I believe that my job as a, a pastor is to faithfully preach the word, to, to teach it, 
to equip you, the, the saints, for life, for, for ministry. And my hope is that that's kind of what I've laid out here to kind of preach it. This is what it says. This is the simple fact to genders. But what do we do with this? How, how do we live, teach, teach differently in our world today? You know, first time I'm committed to the Word of God, what it preaches and teaches, and to trust in that. Second, I don't think this means that um, that angry, in-your-face, offensive posts on social media are the answer, <laughs> even if you get those back toward you. Instead, can we love, welcome? Invite into our homes and even into our churches. And I think finally as we, we talk to people about God's original design and creation and, and will and speak of God's love and grace and, and all these things and forgiveness that, that also going against his will, going against his plan will lead to hardship distance from God and more sin. I think it opens up this Pandora's box of, of gender confusion and sexuality and as the Bible names many things that as sin has come into the, our world, sex and gender then become more and more confused and blurry with pornography and polygamy and adultery and lust and non-monogamy and rape, and I could just go on and on of the things that sin does with God's original design. I want to close this part, this kind of part one, with a testimony. I'm going to read this, and so, Tim, if you want to come on up. Uh, this is a testimony from Rosaria Butterfield. Um, you can find it uh, in an audio and video on YouTube. I really encourage you to look it up. She uh, was raised in a really liberal Catholic setting. and late 20s, she adopted kind of a lesbian identity, got her PhD, taught. She was really big into critical theory, specializing in queer theory, Freud, Marx. Here's what she says. The word Jesus stuck in my throat like an elephant tusk. No matter how hard I choked, I couldn't hack it out. Those who professed the name commanded my pity and wrath as a university professor. I tired of students who seemed to believe that knowing Jesus meant knowing little else. Christians in particular were bad readers, always seizing opportunities to insert a Bible verse into a conversation with the same point the punctuation mark, end it, rather than deepen it. As a professor of English and women's studies on the track to becoming a tenured radical, I cared about morality, justice, and compassion, fervent for the worldviews of Freud and Hegel and Marx. After my tenure book was published, I used my post to advance the understandable allegiances of a leftist lesbian professor. My life was happy and meaningful and full, my partner and I shared many vital interests. I began researching the religious right. To do this, I would keep 
who need to read the one book that had, in my estimation, gotten so many people off track, the Bible. I'll look out for some Bible scholar to aid me in my research. I launched my first attack on the unholy trinity of Jesus, the Republican Party and patriarchy in the form of an article and newspaper. Article generated many responses, so many that I kept a box on each side, one of hate mail, one for fan mail. But one letter I received defied my filing system. It's from a pastor. It's a kind and inquiring letter, Ken Smith, and encouraged me. With the letter, Ken initiated two years of bringing the church to me, a heathen. I had seen my share of Bible verses on placards at the gay pride marches that Christians who mocked me on gay pride day were happy that I, everyone I loved were going to hell was clear a blue sky, but that is not what Ken did. He did not mock, he engaged. So when his letter invited me to get together for dinner, I accepted. My motives at the time were straightforward. Surely this will be good for my research. But something else happened. Ken and his wife, Floyd, and I became friends. They entered my world. They met my friends. We did book exchanges. We talked openly about sexuality and politics. They did not act as if such conversations were polluting them. They did not treat me like a blank slate. We ate together. Ken prayed in a way I had never heard before. His prayers were intimate, vulnerable. He repented of his sins in front of me. He thanked God for all things. Ken's God was holy and firm, yet full of mercy. And because Ken and Floyd did not invite me to church, I knew it was safe to be friends. I started reading my Bible. I read the way a glutton devours. I read it many times that first year, multiple translations at a dinner gathering. My partner and I were hosting. My transgendered friend, Jay, cornered me in the kitchen. She put her large hand over mine. The Bible reading is changing you. I continued reading the Bible, all the while fighting the idea that it was inspired. But the Bible got to be bigger inside me than I. It overflowed into my world. I fought against it with all my might. Then one Sunday morning, I rose from the bed. An hour later, sat in a pew at a church. Conspicuous with my butch haircut, I reminded myself that I came to meet God, not fit in. I fought with everything I had, did not want this, did not ask for this. I counted the costs, and I did not like the math, other side of the equal sign. But God's promises rolled in like sets of waves into my world. As the preacher said from John 7, 17, if anyone wills to do God's will, he shall know concerning that doctrine. The verse exposed the quicksand in which my feet were stuck. I was a thinker. I was paid to read books and write about them. Then one ordinary day, I came to Jesus, orphaned and naked. In this war of worldviews, Ken was there. Floyd was there. The church that had been praying for me for years was there. Jesus triumphed, and I was a broken mess. Conversion was a train wreck. I didn't want to lose everything that I loved, but the voice of God sang a sanguine love song in the rubble of my life. I weakly believed that if Jesus could conquer death, he could make right my world. Rosaria Butterfield. 
My hope, my prayer as you hear that testimony, hear the words of Genesis this morning, that you would see the value in people, that as God sees them and made in his image, and that yes, you would speak the truth and love to people, but in a way that is kind and forgiving and opens up your home through hospitality like this testimony here. We're going to close our service with singing and offering and prayer as we always do. I encourage you to pray, to sing with me here, and to give. To give toward God as a ministry, the love offering to Him. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the good gifts you have given to us, that you gave us the gift even inside of us of being made in your image. You you commanded the, the Israelites, the people in the Old Testament especially, to not make any other images of you because we had us. And it's only through Jesus that we can be made right and good and holy and and love others in a broken world. So God, as we, we come now to sing to you and to praise you and lift you high, help us to do it with humility, asking for forgiveness where we have done wrong ourselves and that you would bring us to yourself just like you did through Rosaria Butterfield to see the power of the word of God and who you are. We, we say this in truth and Humility and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you stand with us now and sing one last song?